1: Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery and I'd love to share with you about these phases what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007 and am the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them break free from the past and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, today, we have with us Emily Jacob, who's going to be sharing with us about how she discovered her formula for living a reconnected life. And I'm really, really so excited for you all to get to know Emily. I met her a while back, and she reached out as she was, um, you know, reaching um, that place where she was starting her business and beginning to do some work uh, around um, healing and we just immediately had a, a beautiful connection. There's such a, um, a beautiful crossover between the work that I do and that Emily does. And she is the founder of Reconnected Life. Ultimately, what she's working at is helping women who have been raped to go from surviving and coping one day at a time, you know, living in that half life place, to living a full and whole reconnected life. She herself is a survivor and also a coach, an NLP master practitioner, using her skills, knowledge, and experience to pioneer kind of a whole body, mind, soul approach to recovery after rape. Emily is a fierce advocate of survivors and is using her voice to break the silence and speak for survivors on issues relating to both recovery and societal attitudes and myths. As such, she's a regular blogger for Psychology's Life Labs, Metro, and Huffington Post. She's also advocated for survivors on TV and radio in the UK. Emily has a strong vision of ending rape culture within a generation by empowering the rest of society to stand up for survivors whenever they are presented with misogyny and ignorance. She's also the upcoming author of Reconnected: A Survivor's Guide to Life After Rape. So she's up to a lot. Um and so we're really um glad to have her here with us today. Emily, welcome. Hi, Rachel. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, man. So, let's just jump right into it. You know, I think that um one of the things that for me when I was starting my business about 10 years ago, I, um, you know, I created this title of self-abuse, sexual abuse, abuse, (laughs) self-abuse, sexual abuse recovery coach, because I thought, I don't really see this out there. And um, so I was really super excited as I got to know you and realized that, you know, there are more coaches beginning to specialize in this space. And what, you know, what ultimately caused you to decide that this is what you wanted to do with your coaching skills? Well, it
2: was a little bit of a journey for me, actually. I really resisted it. I felt that I'd gotten past um being a survivor and was living my life and I didn't want to be defining myself as a survivor uh but in the end i just I just couldn't walk away from it. I knew that what I'd been learning as a coach and what I'd been learning as to become an n l p practitioner had really been part of the keys for why I had been able to let go of everything beyond just um, the mental health elements, mm-hmm. And it. I resisted and resisted. And then I started talking to other survivors. And I just realized that I could help. And it broke my heart to think that I wouldn't be helping. And so I decided to get over myself and yeah. create my Reconnected Life program
1: awesome. Yeah. So, once you made that decision and you thought, okay, yes, this is the work that I'm going to do and this is the direction that I'm going to head in. Um I love that you named like just needing to come overcome some of your own like inner blocks. I can relate to that a lot. <laughs> and like what's sitting there for you. Um and you far- finally started thinking about how you wanted to approach um, you know, sur- supporting survivors of rape in healing. Uh, where did you land with that? Tell me a little bit about how you do approach living a reconnected life. Yeah, for me, there are really four elements, and how they
2: show up in everybody's recovery path will be really different for that for for every individual. But the four elements I I fundamentally believe that are are the same for for all of us in, in in whatever form that they that they do show up. I think that we have to be able to get control over our brain and ourselves and feel that we can cope with the uh, the anxiety, the panic attacks, the flashbacks, that we have tools and techniques that help us be our own rescuers um, and that we can... Um, get to a stage where we're not being defined by the fact we're not letting our lives, you know, our lives be defined by the fact that um, we might have a panic attack if we go to that party. So we're we're not um, we're not choosing to live a, a smaller life because of those symptoms. And when we can do that, that's that's the first element for me. Then the second element is actually making sense of who we are um, afterwards. Um, in my head. When I was going through it, it was kind of like before rape and after rape mm-hmm. um I was a different person, and life felt different and It was a really long time until I decided that actually I knew who I was and what I wanted to be and how I could make sense of living um, and and so that's that's a really i think that's that that part really plays the core the core skills of coaching of how to empower um people to really helps empower your clients to really make those conscious decisions about the kind of life they want to live and the kind of person that they want to be. The third piece that's really important in living a reconnected life is connection. And that is connecting into ourselves and into our bodies um, so that we can connect into our relationships um, and, and with other people. Um, if we are disconnected and disassociated still from our bodies, and we're just kind of lugging around this home that we live in, um, but hating on it, it's uh, we're, we're not very able to actually connect on a on a soul level with, with those that we that we want to, to keep and, and have in our lives. Um, so, connection is, is really important, and the, the last element which i think is actually probably the most crucial element is is community and is having the support of um of everyone around us and so that, those are my kind of my four pillars for how for how to live a reconnected life, and obviously, um, to what extent we can we identify and how we achieve those pillars is 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 such an individual journey for us all. But um, keeping focused on on each of those four things is is what I think are the the key ingredients um, to living living more than
1: that half life. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely love that, and, you know, I'm a big fan of structure, <laughs> um, I think when we can put a little bit of structure um, to this process of healing, um, that it just can help, you know, us make sense of what the path is and where we're heading and what to focus on, so I love this, you know, this structure that you've developed. And, uh, you know, you shared a little bit about, you know, your experience of rape and how it was a, a very much of a marker in your life. And it sounds like, and it's similar to me in some ways, that you came to your process and your program by way of your own healing, right? And, be, you know, trying to kind of find your own path. Um yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like, you know, coming out of um, being raped and then looking for support and healing and um you know how how you were led to this particular formula, yeah, well, it certainly wasn't a straight line process um
2: so uh I was raped uh nine years ago i was an- adult, adult uh rape um uh, i'd um gone out on a date um been drinking I have no idea if I was drugged it's kind of irrelevant. But, in the immediate aftermath, uh, I, I I felt like I was fine, and uh, I was just coping. but actually, what I was doing was disassociating. Mm-hmm. And I went through the motions of being a good girl and going and getting the counseling that um, they said I should go and get. And so I went to the uh, to the counseling. it was it started about three months after, and it was about a three month program. And I did the one-to-one sessions every week, and I'm kind of just sat there and jumped through the hoops of what I thought was expected of me in those sessions. Um, but I wasn't really engaging um, in them. That led to some group, uh, a group ending uh, sessions that was about eight weeks long, and again I just kind of didn't really actually engage, but I. I kind of just played the game of uh of being there turning up and at the end of it I thought oh well I've taken my medicine I should be better now Mm -hmm. and so I went I, I flung myself into work and for the next couple of years I was working 12 14 hour days seven days a week and I was telling everyone that I was fine and that I'd moved on um and of course that's what I was saying, that my behaviors were still, you know, I was turning into a workaholic, I was also turning into an alcoholic, I, I wouldn't say I was I actually became an alcoholic, but I was definitely drinking an awful lot, mm-hmm. um, and I was having um, uh, a lot of sex, um, and just basically living, just trying to prove to everyone through all of my behaviors that I was fine, but looking back, I can see how I definitely wasn't fine, Um that led to a breakdown. Uh, those kinds of working hours, when you when you are having still panic attacks, even though you're telling everyone you're fine, um, it doesn't really work so well. So I had a total breakdown, um, and that probably saved my life. Uh, it probably stopped me from becoming an actual alcoholic. Um, and I went back to counselling. I went back to group therapy after that, and I. Still And I started to feel like I was making sense of the story and I was making sense of what had happened. And I started to recognize through that process the second time round, that I did have PTSD and that um, I hadn't had a diagnosis, but um, I started to recognize that I wasn't fine and that I did need to get more help. I got myself referred to a psychiatrist. Who did give me that diagnosis, and also diagnosis of disassociation, um, which I think was actually has actually been the more key in my recovery to be able to overcome the disassociation than to merely just overcome the uh, the panic attacks. And I don't mean merely as though that's nothing. It's just for me. Um, Being disassociated from the world and not connected into myself, not connected into my body, and not connected into any of my relationships um, has been the hardest thing for me to to overcome and and, and to reconnect back into. Um, And I was uh, working with my psychiatrist for about 18 months. Um, We did a whole number of different modalities to uh, overcome the PTSD, a lot of somatic work, EMDR, lifeline integration. Um, and it was actually, though, the exercises that she made me do by myself in the time that I wasn't with her, the the other six days of the week that I didn't see her that actually were the things that started to help me have get benefit from, from that process. And so when she discharged me and told me that I didn't have PTSD anymore, I thought, oh, great, cool. I'm better now. I really am better now. (laughs) And and then I was really confused because I wasn't better. (laughs) I still had really low energy dips. I felt really frustrated with myself that I couldn't seem to um, find any kind of happiness. She told me I wasn't depressed anymore, but it felt like that sort of hollowness was my new status quo, and I didn't like it. Um, and I wasn't, I planned that coaching would help me. It's just, I decided to start my own business, a marketing business, um, at about the same time. And I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll add coaching to my, you know, it's a new thing to learn whilst I, you know, I do the thing I've always done. Um, and it was through learning how to be a coach and then deciding to also become an NLP practitioner and then master practitioner that I found that actually I could start to connect into myself and my dreams and move away from that hollowness mm-hmm. and start to feel that life was worth living again and to you know to create plans and um, and ideas and visions of what I wanted life to be. And so that was really helpful. And it was actually whilst I was going through that process that I was thinking, okay, this is something I could use the skills for because this is really helping me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was still very much resistant. And mostly, I think, looking back, part of that resistance was because I was still very, very low energy. And I didn't feel that um, I'd be able to um, actually create something when I still needed to take naps most afternoons and when you're trying to build a business it's not very sensible to take naps most afternoons. Uh, (laughs) So I was kind of struggling with actually figuring out if I was going to start a business what kind of business did I really want to be doing and whether or not I should be just going back to full-time employment thinking well I wouldn't be able to last in full-time employment because I was taking naps in the afternoon (laughs) and then I was at a at, a, uh, at an event, a self-development event that was connected to, to my coach training. And the exercises were very much, like, to my mind, really woo-woo and out there. And sure. <laughs> um, it was all about getting into your body. And uh, there was an exercise about um, moving like you were. You know, lions and tigers mm-hmm. and all these women were w- w- walking around the room as though they were, you know, pouncing. And I was just stood there like going, what, what, what? I don't understand how you can move your body in that way. I'm not connected to this at all. And then suddenly I had this kind of light bulb moment that I was totally frozen mm-hmm. and couldn't move. The tears are like rolling down my cheeks and I just realized that. I was still totally disassociated from my body, that I was still really hating my body. Um, And actually that my body needed to forgive my brain the same way my brain needed to forgive my body. And um, it was when I kind of had that light bulb moment that I decided, okay, let me start talking to survivors and understanding what they need and what I can maybe help them with. And I started to think, yeah, these are are the kind of the, the missing pieces. This is why I didn't, feel like i was better after i stopped seeing a psychiatrist right. even though i no longer had any of the mental health symptoms i i needed to connect into my body and i needed to connect into um myself and my dreams and coaching mm-hmm. is what gave me um gave me those clues um and so yeah that that's that kind of my not very straight line path of
1: how i got there <laughs> it's, it's, Most wiggly paths are the ones that are the most interesting anyhow. So, (laughs) you know, I love the wiggly path journeys. Excuse me. So, man, Emily, thank you so much for sharing your experience and a bit of your journey. I know that um, there are people listening to this who can relate to so much of what you just shared. And um, I think it's really, really important when we can see ourselves in others and in their journeys, and um, you know, kudos to you for all of that amazing work that you did in your own journey and your own healing, and then to now be, you know, turning it around and, and giving back um, to survivors is just such a beautiful thing. And along the way, and as you were sharing your story, you mentioned, you know, how NLP um, was a practice that you learned and mastered, and that you often integrate into your practice and your coaching. So, can you um, tell us a little for people who maybe don't know what NLP is, and or even what it stands for, and um, what it is, and how um, that particular practice plays a role in the work that you do? Sure. Yeah. So
2: NLP stands for neuro linguistic programming. And essentially um it's about our, our brain pathways, our neurons, and how um the words we use inside our heads as well as uh, what we say out loud in, in, in the world um can program our responses. Um and it, it doesn't just work on the uh, the conscious level. The beautiful thing about NLP is that it's actually working on the unconscious uh, pathways and helping us to reprogram those. And one of the reasons why I was so excited about learning NLP is because as I went to the introductory workshops, I started to recognize a number of the practices that are used in NLP as being the as having their roots in the practices that my psychiatrist used with me in, in those um, sessions that I've had with her. And so I, I, could, I knew that, that it had worked with her, and I was like, well, this is just coaching, this isn't psychiatry. But what NLP is, it's the uh, modeling of behaviors, and it was actually developed by um, a, um, a hypnotherapist and a psychologist um, back in about the 70s. I'm um, probably got that wrong, and we're recording. But um, please Wikipedia it if, if <laughs> tell me I was wrong afterwards. But um, it it, um, it is about modelling great behaviour. So when you see that when I see sort see that the, their timeline uh, practice, for example, has its roots in the lifeline integration that my psychiatrist did. Its phobia model um, has its roots in some of the. Um, Cartoonification uh, work that my psychiatrist did to uh, take the pressure off some of the things that we were we were looking at, and I just felt like, oh my god, yeah, these tools can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. And what I do with my work as a coach is I use um, I use a lot of those tools in in the coaching. Um, I use a lot of Milton language. Milton is one of the founders of um, of NLP, the, the hypnotherapist um, in meditations that I, I do with my clients. And a number of the NLP techniques, they kind of jumble up um, logic so that the unconscious brain has to get involved and um, make sense of things. Uh, so when you're talking about where do you feel something in your body, and you're putting shapes and colours and textures to it, um, it 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 kind of works on reprogramming some of the ways we're thinking about those feelings in our body, and we can give. Um, mm-hmm those feelings different textures, different colours, different weights and uh, vibrations that mean that they'll have a different impact on us um when we experience them next time. So it's um it's quite powerful um uh, tool to have in the tool set as a coach.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk about that a little bit. You know, I think one of the important things for survivors as they're out there, you know, kind of looking at different processes and modalities and approaches is to find the one that resonates with you. And, um, you know, that's, you know, one of the exciting things about, you know, working with and and having colleagues who are coming at, you know, resolving um, this. There's some crossover in the work that I do and the work that you do kind of on that brain level and then, you know, reprogramming of neuronal pathways. Um, But there are certainly elements of NLP that I don't necessarily bring in that you are. And that's what's really great, you know, folks who are listening that, there, there's no one way um, to to heal from rape or abuse. And the key is finding that modality that really resonates with you. And then sometimes a combination
0: of modalities
1: yeah. um, is, is what's going to work. So I'm so excited to just know more and hear more about the work that you're doing and, and how you're approaching, you know, supporting, uh, you know, female survivors of rape. So, Emily, as we start to kind of wrap up today... Final thoughts that um, you'd like to share with our listeners? I think in terms of final
2: thoughts, it would be to say that you're not alone. Um, It can feel so isolating because it's really hard, even if you do tell other people, to to feel as though they understand. And so it's one of the things um, I love, Rachel, that you have your group and i have my group and so what i would say to people is is find a group um of people who do understand and do get it um so that um you don't feel so isolated and you feel that you can share um and share safely what's what's going on 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 for you and then the, the other thing um i want i want to say is that there is a way through there is a way that it can feel better for you um, it may be that you need to try out some of these different modalities um but that you will find one that works for you um most most definitely um it's not something that we need to feel is weighing us down uh for the rest of our lives um we can find a way to to move forward
1: beautiful, yeah, I fully second that, yes. <laughs> Beautifully, beautifully said. Thank you. And, yeah, Emily, it is so great to have you on today. Thank you so much for being here and being my guest. And for those of you who um, are listening, feel free to reach out and connect with Emily. Um, You can reach her at reconnected.life. Her email is emily at reconnected.life. And one really wonderful thing is that um, Emily's blogs from her disconnected years can now be downloaded at Amazon. It gets better and silence hurts. Talk hard are available for only $1.27 each on Amazon.com. And uh, if you prefer the paperback, the anthology um, of Desperately Hopeful is also available. So when folks go to um, Amazon, Emily, what's the best thing for them to type in? Your name? um, A title? to search and find this um this resource yeah if you type in
2: emily jacob and it gets better you'll get to that book um and then if you click on the emily jacob's author page you can you can see silence hurts and also desperately hopeful and obviously if you type in emily jacob and silence hurts you'll you'll get to that book and again to the author
1: page and it say for desperately hopeful Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So uh, once again, Emily, thank you so much for this time today. It's been a real treasure. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. And for all of you uh, joining us today, thank you for being here and for tuning in. And don't forget to visit www.rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we have so much more to share. And until next time, take good care of you.
0: fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.